הרי אני מקשר עצמי לכל הצדיקים האמיתיים שבראנו וכל הצדיקים האמיתיים שוכני עפר קדוש ומשר בארץ הם אביבחל רבנו הקדוש צדיק יסוד עולם נחן נובע מכל חוכמה רבנו נחמן פגי בן שמחה נענך נחמן נחמן מאומן זוכותו תגן עלינו ועל כל ישראל אמן ברוך השם today we start with תורה ל"א we're gonna do תורה ל"א תורה 31 and תורה ל"ב 32 as well בעזרת השם so תורה ל"א אבליקות המורן תניאנה רבנו סז על ידי הנגינה, from the song a person sings, אדם ניכר מקיבל עליו עול תורה. It's possible to tell if a person has accepted upon himself the yoke of the Torah. So, whenever a person sings a song, the song which you're actually singing is an indicator of whether you've accepted the yoke of the Torah and the yoke of God's commandments. וסימן, and what's the sign? בקטף יישאו, the tenet במדבר, chapter 7, בקטף יישאו, they carried on their shoulder. ודרשו רבותינו את המלאכה, ועוד יותר חכמים סיין, הגמרא ערכין, page 11, what does יישאו represent? אין יישאו אלא לשון שירה. The language of carrying, when it says in the verse in במדבר, chapter 7, יישאו, they carried on their shoulder, the language of carrying connotes an expression of שירה song, שנאמר, it says, שאו זמרה, carry a song or raise a song, ותנו תוף and give a timbrel, sound a timbrel, meaning the idea of raising is both used in the It, not only is the idea of carrying used with regard to the shoulder, as brought in Bamidbar chapter 7, but also, um, as it brought in Tehilim as well, Se'uzimra, uh, uh, to raise a song, or to, to carry a song. So we see that Se'u comes from the aspect of singing, as we see, or song, as we see in Tehilim. And this verse in Bamidbar chapter 7, which says that they carry it on their shoulder, this is saying... Or this is speaking about the undertakings of the children of Kehat, um, <clears throat> which was the um, Kehat was one of the sons of Levi, and the Kehat I believe was the father of Amram, who was the father of Moshe. So Kehat I believe, if not if I'm not mistaken, uh, um, was the grandfather of Moshe Rabbeinu. שהיו נושאים בכתף את הארון, that these children of Kehat would always carry with their shoulders the Aaron, the, the, the ark. הנו בחינת עול התורה. What's the Aaron? The Aaron inside it has the Torah, the Ten Commandments, meaning they carry it upon themselves the yoke of the Torah. So with song, carrying, the carrying on their shoulder, which is referencing that the, the fact that the sons of Kehat carried um, this Aaron, which contained the Torah in it, this also represents that Yisau, this aspect of carrying, which is in connection with song, as we see in Tehidim, we see that through the song a person um, is singing, that you can see whether um, this person is engaged or has accepted upon himself the yoke of the Torah. Okay. Torah, uh, that's an awesome chidush. Baruch Hashem. Torah Lamed Bet. Yesh tzadikim gnuzim. There are hidden tzadikim. Vehem yodim panim b'torah and they know the face of the Torah. אך הם צריכים להעלים תורתם, but they need to conceal their Torah. וכמו שמספחים מעשה בעבר שם טוב עם הדרשן. And just like we tell of the story that happened between the Baal Shem Tov and the preacher. And this is a beautiful story actually that is written down, brought down in Chaya Moran and is teaching the Baal Shem Tov. But Rabbeinu brings the story in Chaya Moran because over there Rabbi Nathan says that Rabbeinu told the story actually before he gave the lesson, before he delivered this lesson. Um, before he delivered this lesson, he told this story. And the story goes somewhat like this, that basically, um, 
the Baal Shem Tov was once going and was uh, traveling throughout uh, Eastern Europe. And he, was, he stopped in Brody for a Shabbat in this town. And uh, he stopped at a, a wealthy man. He, he was hosted by a wealthy man who was doing a, whole, a big Shabbat with distinguished guests and lots of honorable people. And at this, uh, what do you call it? At this table was a sort of preacher. And this preacher was eating a lot of food. And obviously there's a lot of wealthy people, there's a lot of distinguished people, the Bashemtos at the table, and then there's this preacher at the table who's eating a tremendous amount of food, and people are looking at him and they're starting to make fun of him. And they start feeding him even more to actually like make the, the scene even more ridiculous. They try to mock him, so they give him even more food. And they whatever they're giving him, he's eating. And he's in, innocent. He's just eating and eating and eating. And they give him one two pieces of fish, which... Uh, which when one was enough, and they gave him lots of soup, etc., and all this stuff. And actually, they went even further. And these people said, why don't you give us a Torah lesson? They asked the preacher, knowing that the Bashem said at the table, and the preacher doesn't know much, right? They say, why don't you give us a Torah lesson? Obviously intending to mock him so that he speaks in front of the honor of the Bashem Tov. And he starts giving a Torah lesson innocently. And... They start to mock him and mock him to the point where literally he recognizes this. The preacher recognizes this. And the Barashemtov is getting angry also. Because the Barashemtov sees that all these people are mocking this person who is an innocent man. And um, as the man is giving the lesson, he recognizes that all these people are mocking him. He says basically that just because um, I don't know how to give a Torah lesson, or even though one is unable to give a, a lesson, does that mean he's forbidden from eating fish? And even though I'm not good at giving Torah, did that mean like you have to make fun of me that I'm eating too much? And obviously there's lots of deep words with that, as we're going to see in a second. But um, the Bar Shem Tov started getting angry at everyone after he said this. And he told everyone, he said, you guys have no idea what this man was saying because actually he's giving a very beautiful Torah lesson. In fact, the lesson he's giving is actually from Eliyahu Navi. <laughs> was actually taught by Eliyahu Navi. And then after Rabenu started explaining all the story, he then gave the lesson. And he started emphasizing the idea of what the preacher said. Rabenu really liked what the preacher said about if one is unable to give a lecture, does that mean he's forbidden from eating a piece of fish? And then Rabenu entered the lesson. And obviously this lesson is going to speak about hidden tzaddikim that have to hide their Torah on their level. And obviously this preacher was a very great hidden tzaddik. And the Bashem Tov recognized this. But this is a very beautiful story. And now we can understand better what Rabenu is going to say. And by this tzaddik, sometimes, that he knows Torah that has facets. He knows the facets of the Torah. He knows these facets of the Torah. And this person, this tzaddik, like in the case of the story, the preacher, he needs to conceal himself. He needs to conceal the Torah and he does not say it. Sometimes he does not write it at all. And afterwards, sometimes he writes it and then he burns it. And the truth is, if he wrote this Torah, which was meant to be concealed, it would become a book. And it would come into the world. And there are also names. As it says, My name which is written in holiness, it says in the verse, But the world damages this. And we need to conceal this book and to burn it. This teaching. But it's actually very good to the world why this book is concealed and burnt and why these, these lessons are um, concealed and, and burnt off. 
כי גם יש כמה ספרים בגלל שיש כמה ספרים בגלל שכבר נעשו ספרים ונמכו ונעבדו מן העולם. That have already been erased and lost in the world, כי בוודאי הצדיקים הגדולים הקדמונים, צנאים והמורים וכיוצא בהם. Because it's certain that great צדיקים, the previous great צדיקים, the, the משנאיק uh, sages, the תלמודיק sages, and all the likes of these great צדיקים in our history, עשו ספרים מהרבה, they made many many books, אך נעבדו, but they were lost. But now Rabbanu is going to explain why this is very good. But this is very good to the world, why the books of all these tzaddikim are lost. <laughs> now we're going to explain why. Because if they were not lost, and if they were not burnt, and if they weren't completely, if they didn't completely vanish, it would not be possible at all for us to approach God. Because there are many books of atheists, that if these books were to spread out throughout the world, it would not be possible at all to come close to God. Because the king of the Jewish people, one of these kings, one of the most evil kings in our history, that did two um, golden calves and put them in the north and the south of, uh, of Eretz Israel. And uh, said, if I'm not mistaken, I think. And then he said, these are the, your gods, Israel, who did complete idol worship. Complete idol worship. And it was actually um, written in Chaim Mohan, where Rabbeinu says that he had to do many journeys. To, and one of his journeys was specific. Um, I forgot which one. Maybe Sharoga. I, I forgot which one. Don't quote me on it. But one of the journeys that Rabbeinu took in concealment from the rest of the world was actually to repair the sins of Yerava Menavat and to do the tikkun. To rectify it. So we can't even imagine. But Yerava Menavat did two uh, golden calves. And he said, these are your gods, O Yisrael. He did idol worship. As brought down in Malachim, chapter 1, uh, book 1, verse, uh, cha- sorry, chapter 1, verse 12. And he misled the entire Jewish people behind him. Is it even conceivable? Meaning, it's not conceivable. It makes no sense that he could mislead a great nation with such foolishness like this to serve idols. It, 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 it's not even con- is it even conceivable to even mislead such a great nation like the Jewish people with such foolishness? However, it's certain that Yerav was utilizing great, great wisdoms of uh, heresy. And this is how he misled them. He didn't mislead them with stupidity. He didn't mislead the foolish. He misled great wise people. <laughs> and if it was, God forbid, God forbid, may Hashem uh, spare us, if it was found in today's day and age, one, one page from these books, Rabbi says not one book, but one page, God forbid, we would be completely distant from God. We would be so distant from God. And we would not have the ability, it wouldn't be possible for us to come close to God at all. And this is why it is very good why these books, these holy books of the, the great sages of our past have been concealed and burnt. Because the book is the aspect of the name of God. It is brought down. The name of God is a tower of strength. Into which the tzaddik runs and is fortified. The tzaddik runs into the name of God, which is this tower of strength to be um, protected, to be fortified. 
in Bereshit chapter th- uh, page 37b. Shem Hashem. What is the name of Hashem? I brought down in this verse. Shem Hashem. Oz Shem Hashem. What is Shem Hashem? The name of God. That's Sefer. This is a book. Ki Sefer Shem. Because if you take the name, um, if you take the word Sefer, book, which is spelled out Samech Peresh, which has a numerical value of 340, it has the same numerical value as the, as the word Shem, name. Which is 340. Kamuvaz is brought down. Um, it's brought down in the book Asaram Amarot um, in the teaching Chikurdin over there. Because the book is the aspect of what we said earlier. Shmi, my name, which is written in holiness. This is a book, it's a holy name. God's holy name and this book is spread into the world and creates a name and Rabbeinu also adds know this that each and every person needs to safeguard his aspect of Mashiach that he possesses because Rabbeinu is saying each and every person according to his holiness and his purity can Mashiach Commensurate with that holiness and purity, he has the aspect of Mashiach. And this needs to be very safeguarded. So that you do not damage your Mashiach, your aspect of Mashiach. And the essential thing in which we safeguard the aspect of Mashiach, in which the aspect of Mashiach is dependent upon, is what? Is guarding oneself from sexual immorality. New of adultery. Because Mashiach represents the aspect of the nose, as we've seen in many different lessons. Lesson two as well. Uh, and brought down in Echad, chapter four. The breath of our nostrils is the anointed one of God. So Mashiach represents the breath of the nostrils, meaning the nose. And also sexual immorality is dependent upon the nose as well. That the nose is an indicator of how immoral you are uh, sexually. And Rabbeinu actually said this, that the second I look at a person's nose, I can tell whether he's been clean with the breed or not, whether he's been uh, moral or not. As it brought down in Sichot Aran. So Rabbeinu uh, continues, Kemosha Ketubah, it says, how do we know that, uh, and, um, that Niyuf, uh, sexual immorality, is dependent upon the nose? Kemosha Ketubah, Lotin Af, as it says in Shemot, chapter 20, Lotin Af, do not commit adultery. And Tin Af comes to the word, Af, which means nose. Do not pleasure the nose. As brought down um, in the Midrash Rabbah, Parashat Naso. So we see here the idea of uh, this pleasure comes from the nose, uh, which means that this sexual immorality is indicated by the nose. A person needs to guard himself very much, even from the scent of sexual immorality. Because this is what blemishes his Mashiach. Which represents the aspect of the nose. And the aspect of Mashiach rests upon what? The faces of the Torah. And we're now returning full circle. That there are faces of the Torah which these hidden tzaddikim know. Right? So the Mashiach rests upon the faces of the Torah. Meaning those holy books which reveal the facets of the Torah. And it's upon these books which reveals the facets of the Torah which the Mashiach spirit hovers upon. The spirit of God was hovering above the waters. Literally the first chapter of Bereshit, the first chapter of the Torah. And what did it say? The Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is referencing what? The Spirit of Mashiach. When it says the Ruach Elohim, it's actually saying that the Spirit of Mashiach was resting above the waters. And what's the waters? 
It's hovering above the water, and the water is the Torah. So what does it say, upon the face of the water? Because the Maim represents Torah, Kamuvah is brought down in the Gemara Ta'anit, page 4, and also in the Gemara Babakama, I believe, page 17a. That we see that the Maim, water symbolizes Torah, and if the spirit of the Mashiach is hovering above the water, above the face of the water, it means it's hovering above the face of the Torah. And know that the aspect of the spirit of our nostril, our nostrils is the Mashiach HaVashem creates that this spirit of the nostril, the Mashiach, creates this spirit of jealousy. Which grows more zealous. That in any place in which is found sexual morality, this spirit of Mashiach creates a spirit of zealousness and protests this because of its considerable holiness and purity. Meaning because the Mashiach's spirit is so pure and specifically with regard to this desire, it's completely, completely removed. It has nothing to do with this at all. It's so pure. That because of this, whenever he sees that immorality, he gets even more zealous. Uh, sorry, Ufami Mekane, and sometimes he becomes so zealous. Vehi nitmea, and it says in the verse in Bamidbar chapter 5, and she had become tamish, she had become impure, or a spirit of jealousy may come over him. Vehi lo nitmea, but she, had, she hadn't become defiled. What did that mean? That once a spirit of jealousy came over him, Vehi lo nitmea, but she had not become defiled. Meaning what? That because of the great holiness and the awesome holiness of the Mashiach, who is completely pure from this desire, even though she wasn't defiled, there was no immorality, the Mashiach is still zealous solely on account of the seclusion. What is it saying over there? This is speaking about a case when a woman was found in seclusion with, uh, with another man, but she didn't do the act. Um, and they didn't do the act, or she wasn't defiled. By this man. And um, nonetheless though, there is still the spirit of jealousy there. Meaning what? <laughs> that the spirit of jealousy of the Mashiach, which is present whenever there's a slight, when, whenever, there's an, uh, whenever there's immorality, here we can ask, why is, this, why is the spirit of jealousy here whenever there is no defilement? Uh, defilement? And Rabbeinu is saying that because he's so pure, the Mashiach is so pure, the spirit of the Mashiach itself is so zealous even over the fact that they were in seclusion. Not even that they committed the act, but that they were in seclusion. Because um, according to the Mashiach, it's considered a big blemish according to his, because of his great purity of this spirit of zealousness. Sometimes just because of the seclusion, um, there is a, a divorce which is created from this. Literally just because of the seclusion. Not because of any defilement, but just because of seclusion. And this is why the, the get, which is the divorce document in Jewish law, is called Sefer Keritut. The book of separation. Why? The book of cutting off. What does that mean? Because through this book, which is where the Mashiach spirit is hovering, because from this book, we create what? This book creates a spirit of zealous, uh, jealousy. Of zealousness. And this is with regard to the, the sota. That the woman who is found in seclusion with another man, whether we doubt or suspect her that she's been with this other man or not, 
Um, alternatively, sometimes we, we make her drink the bitter waters with the, with the name of Hashem written and, and dissolved in the water. And this is how we check whether she's been defiled or not. And if not, then on the contrary, she'll be proven innocent and she'll bear children and offspring. That if she wasn't, um, this, she actually didn't defile, defile herself and um, we find out whenever she drinks the water that she's totally fine, that she's saved. Because if she drinks from the water and, we, and uh, she actually committed the defilement, um, then her stomach will ex- literally implode. It's uh, a very, very graphic uh, explanation in the Tanakh. But uh, it's, uh, it's literally, uh, it's a very special idea, this idea. It's very special. This idea of the Maime the, Agarim, the bitter waters, and the Mesota. The that if um, if she's innocent, she won't explode, she won't pass away. And if she is innocent, then she'll actually bear lots of children. So we see this idea and the connection here that Rabbeinu is teaching us. That from this book, which is the book of separation, which is the book of the get. Sometimes we, um, from this book, we create this spirit of jealousy. Because the Mashiach is so zealous sometimes that even because of his great purity, the Mashiach, meaning within each and every person, because you are so pure sometimes. Sometimes it's the case when a man is so pure. And this is talking about back then when this used to take place. That um, And also now in our scenario, whenever we encounter scenarios, God forbid, um, where there's um, uh, tests of loyalty, etc. That a man, if he's very, very pure with his covenant, and if he's... Um, he has tremendous purity, sexual purity, then even just a seclusion between another woman and a man will literally cause a, a get. Even though there was no defilement, that there was nothing there, that just the fact of seclusion for him is something despicable. And we explain this, Rabban was explaining this, and this obviously goes very deep. Um, definitely reviewed this, these ideas. And we continue. There is a, a lower unification that occurs in this world. That is in such purity and uprightness, that is so holy, until literally the, to the point where literally the upper Yehud, the upper unification, is dependent upon it. There is a lower Yehud that is so holy. Um, meaning, whenever a woman and a man get together, when they're done in such purity, literally the upper unifications between. Um, the upper names of God, the names of God and the, the upper light are literally dependent upon the Yehud that happens down here. Meaning this unit, um, this uh, marital relation between this man and this woman is so pure that it's very, very kasher, very upright. Without a shred of spiritual deficiency. That it's so pure and their, their relations are done in such holiness to the point where literally the upper unification depends upon it. Because if you take the word ish, man, which means man, and isha, which means woman, if you take the word ish and isha, if you put a man and a woman together, ish ve isha, zahu, they merit. Sorry, because if a man and a woman are meritorious, meaning if their union is done in purity, the shechina, the divine presence, rests upon upon them. Because within the word ish, you have um, the letter yud in between, 
and the word isha, you have the hey at the end. Why are we using these two letters? Because if you take the word isha and isha, it has the same root, which is ish, fire. And the only letter separating these two words, isha and isha, that make them different, that separate a man and a woman, is the yud and the hey. Meaning, once you have the yud and the hey in isha and isha, and you're both meritorious, you have the shekhinah rest upon you. Because ish and isha, a man and woman, have within them, once you command them together, you have yudke, which is the name of uh, the divine presence. This is the supernal unification we're talking about. That if a man and a woman come together in Ish and Isha, a true man and true woman come together in holiness and complete purity, you combine the Yud and the He in the names uh, of man and woman, and then up there you create this unification, which is extremely precious in God's eyes. The, whenever the Shekhinah will now do us, uh, rest upon you. And, um, and this uh, union and unification down here is very, very precious. Because down in this world, such a, uni- uh, such a holy unification was created. That Hashem is so proud. That literally to the point where the upper unification is dependent upon their unification. Behold, this spirit of, zealous, uh, of jealousy, which is the spirit of Mashiach, which is zealous over sexual immorality. What does he do here? Because they are so pure. So what did the Mashiach's spirit of jealousy uh, or zealousness do whenever he sees these, this, this couple in such purity? However, no. Now this Ruachina, the spirit of zealousness, comes for the sake of love. Because any love which is not accompanied by jealousy, love is not true love. So for it to be true love, it's got to be um, uh, connected to jealousy. It says in the verse, for love is as fierce as death, jealousy as hard as the grave. So we see this connection between love and death and jealousy in the grave is connected. So we see love and jealousy have to be connected for it to be true love. For jealousy is an indication of love. Because of the great love that he has for her, he has zealousness over her. Do not seclude yourself. Meaning, because this man has so much love for this woman, when he sees, God forbid, if this woman goes into seclusion with another man, he's already so upset because of how much love, that that love is indicating how much zealousness he has. For don't seclude yourself. So that the love between us does not get damaged. And this is what the spirit of jealousy accomplishes for the, here for the love. For the sake of this love. As we see what we're saying here. Now we can understand why this man who has such spiritual purity and true zealousness from the aspect of Mashiach. Meaning each and every person can contain this because each and every person possesses a spark of the Mashiach within him. So Rabban was saying Whenever you see um, this love, um, <clears throat> whenever this man is, it might, God forbid, divorce his woman because of this act of seclusion, as we see with regard to the sota, um, this is because of the great love that he has for her, which is uh, this aspect of jealousy, as we said. Um, because he's protesting this jealousy concerning her. This is why he has so much jealousy for her whenever he, she, she, uh, she goes into seclusion, God forbid. 
But however, because this, this lower unification occurs in this world, in this lower world, the peace between the man and the woman can be damaged, God forbid. Through that spirit of zealousness, because um, this jealousy, even though it's for the sake of love, it can instigate strife between man and woman, because he has jealousy over her. So, it's obviously a very subtle thing, but um, this jealousy can lead into strife, uh, as we can see. And um, obviously, the balance is very difficult. So, may Hashem help us find that balance. And therefore, no. Now, Rabbeinu has full circle with the beginning of the lesson. This is why the tzaddikim need to hide, the great tzaddikim need to conceal their Torah. To hide them and to burn them, to lose them and to burn them. So that this spirit of jealousy and zealousness is removed and vanishes. So that it doesn't damage the peace between this holy uh, union. Because their lower unification, their lower getting together is very, very precious. And whenever that peace is damaged between them through that spirit of zealous, of zealousness, who have said it's a very great loss. Therefore, it is obligated that we need to lose these, le- these Torah lessons, that these tzaddikim need to basically lose their Torah and their books in order to remove the spirit of zealousness. Because that spirit is the spirit of the Mashiach, which rests upon the facets of the Torah, the Anwas Farim Kena, which is the, the books in which they reveal. Nimza, um, which they reveal but are not actually revealed to the world, which they write down but are burnt or concealed or lost. Nimza, we find Kshenisrafim Venadin Asfarim. We see when these books are lost and burnt, automatically that spirit of zealousness is removed, which is the Ruach of the Mashiach, which rests upon the book. Because once you remove the book, the spirit which is resting upon the book is also vanishing. And what's the spirit upon the book? It's the spirit of the Mashiach, which, which, um, which has the spirit of jealousy within him. And this is the secret of what is written inside the verse. Now we bring the complete verse. My name which is written in holiness shall be erased. Meaning this is Hashem who is literally saying that He is willing to erase His name so that there's peace between a man and a woman. Meaning whenever the woman is um, suspected of being in seclusion with another man as we talked about with the woman the, of the Sota, the woman who was seen going to seclusion with another man, but not sure whether they did the act or not. God forbid. So if she was seen going to this um, seclusion with this other man, she is given to drink this mesota, this water of the sota. And in this water is dissolved the name of God. That God is literally saying, erase my name in this water. My name which is written in holiness shall be erased. You're going to dissolve it in this water and she's going to drink it. And if she's, uh, if she's loyal, then she'll be saved and she'll actually have children. If she's not, then she will be, um, she will be, she will be killed. Or she will die from that water. Because that book is the name, is the aspect of the name of Hashem, as we said, because Shem is the same numerical value as Sefer. So the name of God, as we said above with this idea of Migdal Oshem Hashem, the name of God is a tower of strength. The Tzadik run and, run, runs and is fortified within this tower, or within this name of God. So we see 
that this book is referencing the book of the Tzadikim. And we said the book is the aspect of the name of Hashem. And it says, my, my holy name, which is um, written in holiness. And what is the Tzadik doing? Just like God is erasing his name um, to make peace between uh, a man and a woman. So too, this Tzadik is writing a book and writing his Torah down, even though he won't reveal it, just in order to burn it and to lose it, in order to create peace between a man and his wife. Meaning to, to, to protect that holy union so that that spirit of zealousness does not come and damage the love. That because of the peace between this man and this woman, we have to lose these, lose these books. Rabban was saying, why these great tzaddikim have to lose their books? Because this book is what? My name, which is written in holiness, shall be erased. And what's the name? We said Shem is the same numerical value as Sefer. So it's the book which was written in holiness. The book which Tzadik sacrificed must be erased. It must be lost from the world in order to create peace. Just like God erases His name to do so with regard to the woman, uh, with regard to the Sota waters. Shem bechinat Shmi shenetab bekedusha kanal. Vazaynos in kal v'chomer lemala. And now, let's raise up a Kalva Chomer uh, from up above. From the idea we mentioned up above, now we can prove something even uh, bigger. We can uh, prove something with logic. Just like above, we explained that the, the name written in holiness, which represents the books, the holy books of the Tzadikim. What did it say in the Torah? It shall be erased. In order to induce peace between a man and his woman, right? A man and his wife. Just like the tzaddik is sacrificing his book, which is the name of Hashem, to, just to create peace between a man and woman so that the zealousness does not um, grow too far and damage the love. So now let's prove from the books of the atheists. Which instigates hate and discord between the Jewish people. All the more so must they be erased and lost and uprooted from the world. May they be erased and completely uprooted. May their memories be completely uprooted and erased from this world. So we see that from the loss of these holy books comes a great, great thing. Comes a very good thing. That the books of these heretics are completely lost and uprooted. And now we're able to draw close so imagine how much damage can be caused from one of the books of, of philosophy and atheism that is there to literally uh, try to draw people away from Jewish people away from the faith from Emunah and how much we have to be careful to protect um, to protect ourselves from philosophy but nonetheless Rabban was explaining the sword as to why the tzaddikim had to lose their books in order to protect the Jewish people from this um, um discord and, inst and and hate that would be caused if these books of her uh, heresy would be printed. So it's a very deep lesson and there's lots of elements tied together with the names and the book and the, the aspect of Sota and uh, this uh, sexual purity, the spirit of the Mashiach, etc. All these elements tying together. But Bezrat Hashem, may we have the merit to apply what is written and in simplicity pray and pray and pray until we understand this lesson and know this lesson and live by it. Bezrat Hashem.